0: Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and TV. Uh, I'm I'm coming to you today live uh, from sunny Florida. This is a remote show unlike all of my other in-home shows, studio shows. uh, This is remote talking to you from my phone. Uh, My guest today is writer-director Mr. Adam Rifkin, his new show is the, is the Look series on Showtime, and we'll be talking with him in just a moment. But as my listeners know, oh, by the way, the chat room is open. Uh, as my listeners know, this show is about what to do and what not to do in order to get your projects made. Uh, Movie Beat is designed to be a resource for you, and that's why I'm connecting you up to people who are making it happen, professional filmmakers uh, like Mr. Rifkin and others. So uh, this is where we pull back the veil. We reveal the secrets, the uh, tips, the suggestions, the advice uh, from professional filmmakers, TV makers, content providers, um, so that you can make your projects faster, quicker, smoother, uh, and not have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, I'm here today in Florida. I'm a producer, line producer on a feature film called Girls Gone Dead. You can learn more about that from my Facebook profile page, uh, pictures and videos and interviews are up on uh, my Rex Hikes profile on profile on Facebook. Or you can go to Movieset.com, dot com, M O V I E S E T dot com, and there you can find uh Girls Gone Dead and you can see some of the interviews or some of the blogs from that uh from that. Um it's a grueling schedule and so my interview schedule has not been uh um What can I say? It's not been as – well, this is the first time uh, in a couple of weeks that we've actually done an interview, and I'm just absolutely thrilled to uh, have Adam joining us today. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about him, if you don't already know, and I'm sure you do. He's the uh, writer, director, producer, actor whose elected career uh, ranges from broad family comedies to cult classics to dark and gritty urban dramas. As a writer, he made his mark with hit films like Mouse Hunt, starring Nathan Lane, and Small Soldiers, starring Tommy Lee Jones for DreamWorks. Recent credits include Sony's Zoom, starring Tinney Allen, and Disney's Underdog, starring Jason Lee as the canine hero. Now, uh, Mr. Rifkin earned cult status when his film, The Dark Backward, which he wrote and directed, was named one of the top ten films of of the year by the New York Post. Uh, he'd then be immortalized as a director responsible for a new line of cinemas, Detroit Rock City, a fide cult classic that introduced a whole new generation of fans to the hottest band in the world, Kiss. Now, Ripkin gained critical attention for Night at the Golden Eagle, a film which he not only wrote and directed but also produced. The film was an official selection of the London Film Festival and opened to rave reviews. Adam has traveled back to Neolithic times when he starred opposite Ali Larder, as an idealistic caveman searching for love and life beyond the cave in National Lampoon's lampoons Homo Erectus. He's also wrote and directed the film, uh, well, wanted to capture the essence of early Woody Allen movies like Love and Death and Sweeper and Bananas. This series a uh, comedy, was recently released on DVD following a theatrical release. Um, currently, he has written and directed and executive produced. Along with Barry Shuler and Brad Wyman, all 11 episodes of *Look*, the series for Showtime, based on his critically acclaimed and award-winning film of the same name, *Look*, is a controversial drama that takes us into the foreboding world of hidden cameras. And it is my pleasure to welcome today uh, Adam Rifkin. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. How you doing? I'm doing great. Great. It's good to have you here, and I. Uh, uh, and I'm thrilled and I'm I know that fans and listeners are, are thrilled as well. Uh there's already questions in the uh in the uh, chat room for you. But but uh let me let me ask this question of you first or Let, let me just say um I I mentioned a couple of your producers and again cast. Uh who's producing the show besides yourself and uh, and some of the cast members?
1: Um the show uh is being produced by uh Brad Wyman who I've worked with a number of times. Uh, Brad produced, in addition to some of the movies that I've made, like The Dark Backward and The Chase and, uh, and the movie Look, he also produced the movie Monster, which won an Oscar for Charlize Theron, and he's produced, uh, Freeway, starring Reese Witherspoon, and, uh, he produced Trees Lounge, which was, uh, written and directed by and starring Steve Buscemi. Anyway, uh, also Barry Shuler, who, uh, produced the movie with Brad as well, um, Barry Schuler, some of you may uh, have heard of a little company called AOL. Well, he's one of the creators of it and was the CEO of it. Um, and the three of us were the executive producers of the show, in addition to the two of them producing the movie. And uh, the cast of uh, Look includes some very talented up-and-comers, like Ali Cobrin and uh, Sharon Hinnendale and uh, um, Colton Haynes, and uh, also uh, phenomenal Phenomenal performances by Claudia Christian, who I've worked with a number of times, and Marcus Giamatti, and a standout performance by uh, Trevor Torseth, who plays uh, a homeless man. Fantastic performance. Um, so, just shout outs to all of them.
0: And I want to say that somebody gave a shout out to you, Sean Phillips, who's in the movie that we're doing here. He's delightful, a, a talented actor, and he
1: wanted me to be sure to say hello to you great sean is fabulous he uh he reviews DVDs and films and he was uh an uh, early supporter and champion of the movie look and uh I've always appreciated that and then he did a report from the set of look the show um and I threw him in front of a camera so he's going to be in an upcoming episode <laughs> uh, that's fantastic that's great. and we
0: do, and we talked about that uh but we'll let viewers uh watch and and learn just exactly when that's going to be um but let me ask you some questions uh, about yourself and and for the listeners uh, before we get into look looking some of your career stuff. How did you get started and 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 along with that question, you know, where you broke through as a writer and, and as a director, and then the the addition to that is what advice you might have for uh, people trying to follow uh,
1: along that same path and make their dreams come true. No problem. I had always wanted to be a filmmaker ever since I was. Uh you know, a little kid. I loved movies growing up from from as early as I can remember. And I figured out very early on that somebody had to be behind making them. I didn't understand necessarily the details of what the difference between a director and a producer and a writer were. Uh, But I knew that movies got made in Hollywood and I knew someday I was going to go out to Hollywood and make them. That's all I ever wanted to be. So I spent my whole youth Making movies with all my friends and taking it very seriously. And in those days, you had to use uh, Super 8 film cameras, and you had to you had to buy these little cartridges of Super 8 film that were very expensive. And you'd get two minutes of film, and editing them was very complicated because the the sprockets were so tiny and the frames were so little, and you had these little hand cranked little editing uh, systems. But I whatever it took, I I did it, and I just loved it because I knew that. Um, that this was my my passion and my calling, you know. And as soon as I got old enough, um, right out of high school, I moved out to L.A. to start pursuing it for real. I'm from Chicago, and uh, I came out to Hollywood at about 17. And and I and I I figured out that there was no there's no magic um, to getting a movie made. The only difference between making a movie and not making a movie, I learned, was Having the money to do it because filmmaking is very expensive, or at least it was then. So uh, I just started writing scripts and knocking on doors and trying to find money to get my movies made. And I did it, I started out doing it all wrong. I mean, I had no idea how to pursue it professionally. I, I had a, some, a, one script in particular that I wrote. The first script I wrote was called The Dark Backward, which I did make several years later. Um, and I literally would go through the yellow pages and see what lawyers and doctors had the biggest ads in the yellow pages. And I thought, wow, that guy's probably rich. He'll, he'll finance my movie. And I would just contact these people out of the blue and ask them if they'd want to finance a movie. One attorney was kind enough to call me in for a meeting. I went into the meeting with, with my mom <laughs> and um, he sat us down and he said, this is not how you pursue getting your films financed. He said you you've got to approach film production companies. They're they're the ones that that finance movies professionally. Um and uh, if you don't have a rich uncle who's willing to write you a check, you know, as a as a uh, as a birthday present, you know, that's the way to do it. So with um with his advice, I started approaching at the time the very the the many many small companies that were making um independent films. Now at that time home video was kind of still a new shiny toy. And so lots and lots of companies were just springing up out of nowhere, making lots and lots of little movies. The idea being that if you made a movie that was 90 minutes long, it was in color, it had some boobs in it, it had some blood in it, you could definitely make a profit, no matter what. This was before the market became over, you know, overcrowded. So uh, I just would approach all these companies with my script, one of the companies um, had a reader there named John Lau who uh, who liked the script, and he said that his company would never make this movie, but he gave it to his classmate. from uh, He had gone to school with Brad Wyman, and Brad Wyman was working for an old-time producer named Elliot Kastner at that time. And he said to Brad, Brad, you're an up-and-coming producer. You want to get you know interesting movies made. I read a script that our company won't make, but... Um, you you might want to, you know, try and get it made. And he gave the script to Brad and Brad loved it and contacted me Brad contacted me out of the blue and said, Um, I'm a producer, I'm trying to help, you know, filmmakers get their movies made. Why don't you and I team up and we'll try to get the dark backward made? And um for some reason I passed on him on that offer. I don't remember exactly why. Uh I I, I guess I was very naive about how things worked at the time but he wrote a note saying you know thank you for the meeting and I hope we work together in the future and and I don't and I believe that your future will be anything but dark and and back, or backward. And so my mother said, you know that Brad Wyman, he's a nice boy. You should think about meeting with him again. So I thought, well, all right, maybe I will. So I went back and met with him again and we agreed to team up and we uh we that's how things got started. We didn't get that first movie made first we didn't get dark backward made first but the producer he was working for elliot was financing a bunch of little movies so we convinced elliot to finance a a different movie for us called never on tuesday he wanted a teen movie movie that would appeal to the kids as he said so uh i wrote this movie called never on tuesday and uh he financed that and that's how i got my first film made and that's kind of what got the ball rolling Uh, Oh, part two, what advice would I give to uh, aspiring filmmakers? Um, Well, here's the good news for for all aspiring filmmakers out there. When I made my first film, Never On Tuesday, um, you still had to shoot a movie on film for it to be taken seriously, and film costs a lot of money to buy and a lot of money to develop. And you have to edit it on a moviola, which is a giant piece of clunky machinery that costs a lot of money to rent. And if you ever want the film to be seen, you had to get it released in a theater. And for anyone to know it was in the theater, you had to buy ads in newspapers and on television. And all of that was very, very expensive, even on a very low-budget scale. It was still hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe you could get away with it with tens of thousands of dollars uh, on the lowest budget possible. These days you can literally shoot a movie with your cell phone you can edit it on your laptop you can release it to a worldwide audience on youtube and you can promote it to a worldwide audience on twitter and facebook and all the other you know social media avenues out there and you can do all of this for basically free so the the technology has caught up with people's ambition and what i would suggest to people out there who want to break in don't wait for permission from the gatekeepers to get your first movies made you don't need a million dollars to get your first movie made you're not going to get a million dollars to get your first movie made movies the middle the middle is gone you know mid-range movies from you know between one and and ten million dollars fifteen million dollars the movies that are made in that uh, price range are very very few and far between and you'll see most of them have a big star in them and that's what gets them made um the, you know it's either movies as you know big like avatar or harry potter or teeny tiny little movies like um paranormal activity right well paranormal activity was made by uh Oren pele in his house with with a camcorder by himself you know for a few grand and boom it was good it got into film festivals got bought by dreamworks it made 200 million dollars don't wait for permission. Just make a movie for whatever resources you have available. Do you have $100 available? Make a movie for $100. Your biggest production value is your talent. If you have talent, it doesn't matter what kind of camera you shoot your movie on. That's the first thing that everybody always tells me when I meet some young filmmaker. They, they say they're making their first movie, and the first thing they tell me is the kind of camera they're shooting it on. It's irrelevant. Who cares? Make a good movie. Make a good movie on a flip cam, and it'll change your life. So that's what I would uh, absolutely recommend. Take it very seriously. Make a very good film and, uh, you know, make it for whatever resources you have available and suddenly you're in the game. That is awesome,
0: Adam. I really appreciate you saying that. And, you know, oddly enough, uh, Juliet uh, Landau, who's been a guest on my show as well, was the behind-the-scenes documentary filmmaker for Gary Oldman, uh, doing just that. He made a, a, a music video on his cell phone and they innovated. They, you, they put it on a pole so that they could do crane shots and they put it on skateboards so they could do- dolly shots. But it was all shot on a cell phone. Great. So, uh, Love that. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, I appreciate that. So so let's turn to, uh, look the movie because now the show is on Showtime Times it Sunday nights and then it repeats throughout the month. It's, been, it's a fascinating show. Thank um, you. I, I first actually learned about it because of Twitter, I got a Twitter message saying, uh, we're watching you, you know, the look. And I was like, well, wow, i got to tune in and check this out. And, um, and so you, where did you first get the
1: idea for Look, the movie? Um, well, the first germ of the idea uh, hit me when I was driving through Los Angeles and I got a red light ticket um, uh, from a you know, red light camera. Uh, apparently, I had gone through the light, and I was unaware of it. And um, a few weeks later, I get a ticket in the mail accompanied by a photograph of myself running the light. Um, yeah. And of course, they caught me from a, my worst angle. It was very, very inconsiderate of them. Um, so, which was very embarrassing. So, I, I, I was very unnerved that somebody could take my picture uh, without my knowledge, you know, and somehow send it to my home address. I found that to be a little creepy, a little invasive. So I started to think to myself, well, what other times uh, am I being photographed without my knowledge? And I just, for the first time, started paying attention to where the cameras are. You know, everybody knows there's cameras in ATM machines and in banks. But it wasn't until I really started paying attention that I started to notice that there are cameras absolutely everywhere, right? And it was just a little creepy. I literally would be saying, yeah, i started... I'm starting to pay attention to where all these cameras are. I bet there's one in here, and then I would turn and look, and there it is, right in my face. Right. So, so then I was—I I think I was in a Target or a Walmart or something—and and I realized there's cameras in every aisle. And I was thinking, well, if I had a, the access to all the footage of me walking around through all these aisles, I could cut that together like a like a film. I, that's coverage, you know, all the different angles. I could I could wow. cut together my whole experience in the in the store. And then I started to think, you know, and, and and we're always thinking of different ways to make films economically and, and use those, you know, financial restrictions um, as creative choices as opposed to, you know, looking at them as restrictions. And so I started to just sort of piece all these things together, saying, wow, we're on camera, you know, a zillion times a day. I looked up the numbers. At that time, it was 170 times a day you're caught on camera. Now it's about 300 or more. Yeah. I thought, wow, with all that footage that's being captured of everybody all day long what if i decided to tell a story solely from the point of view of these cameras what if i had access to all this footage and i could cut together all the most interesting stories I started telling brad this idea and he and i got really excited about it. it just seemed like a different way to make a movie so i uh i wrote the movie um and we you know brad and i teamed up on it and brad brought in barry schuler and and we all just decided let's make this movie together. So um it was a very very unusual and experimental way to make a film, but it worked out great, you know. I wasn't sure it was going to work while we were shooting it because it's a drama, you know, it's a character drama. And when you're making a character drama, you know, the the you know, all your history as a film student and a filmmaker, you know, tells you, you know, you want to put the camera close up in a person's face so that you can read you know the emotion in their eyes and get to know them by their face and get to know them by their you know the you know the, the intimate shots that get you close up into their you know into their business right this show excuse me this movie was going to be deliberately at arm's length it's going to be wide shots from upper corners of the room how do you get to relate to these people so I was worried about it when we were shooting it but as it all started coming together an interesting thing happened the the audience is continually forced to be reminded that they are an outside observer looking in on people's lives, you know peering in on something that they probably shouldn't be um, having access to and it kind of did it, it kind of had a, a really cool effect on the uh, the experience for the audience because unlike you know a conventional movie where you're vicariously living out the character's adventures, you are purposely. You know, being forced to be complicit in something illicit—you're you're a peeping tom, and you're never—you're never allowed to forget that you're a peeping tom—and it just added a sort of an element of um, creepiness to the whole thing. So, anyway, the, the movie came out; um, it got great reviews. It won a bunch of very significant film festivals, and it it played the art house scene for for many many months throughout uh, the end of 2007 and most of 2008. Which is, you know, for an art house film, that's that's Great, you know. Yeah. And uh, as the whole experience was coming to a close, something interesting had been shifting in the culture. You know, as we were just finishing shooting, look, the movie. Um, one of the actors, Reese Coiro, who you may know from Entourage, she plays the director Billy Walsh on Entourage he said to me um, he said to me yeah well, uh, i've been spending a lot of time just sitting at home watching youtube and i'm like what the hell is youtube right and nobody knew what youtube was yet and you know by the time we finished the movie and finished the theatrical run suddenly youtube was the culture you know what i mean right. and then suddenly twitter was the culture and facebook was the culture and all of these different social um media outlets had become you know you know they were just kind of ideas prior to the time we were shooting Look and just sort of, you know, on the on the outskirts of consciousness. And now suddenly they were everything. And I thought to myself, and I was talking to Brad and Barry, and we were saying, you know, Look, the movie was about Big Brother. It was about, you know, the eye in the sky, the camera that's watching you from above. But suddenly there's been this explosion of Little Brother. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket, in their cell phone. Everybody's... Uh, on Twitter and Facebook telling everybody in the world what they're doing at every moment of the day. Every time they snap a picture with their phone and tweet it, it's geotagged and everybody knows exactly where everybody is at any given moment of the day. You know, when we're webcamming each other, you know, we're we're when we're uh, tweeting each other, when we're when we're flipcamming each other, YouTubing, suddenly little brother became more significant than big brother. And so we decided that look needed to be explored more. Uh, and, and, you know, in addition to Big Brother, we needed to really integrate Little Brother into the equation. And so when we were making our uh, cable deal with Showtime, Showtime uh, loved the movie, and we all sat down and talked about how we could expand the idea. And they said they would be game for a Look television series. And we told them that we wanted to take it out of just the realm of Big Brother and really explore Little Brother. They got very excited. And so uh, Look, the series was born. And so we, uh, we went off and shot 11 episodes.
0: That is fascinating. I mean, you truly have the, your finger on the pulse of what's going on in society. I, I mean, I've had so many dinner conversations over the past few years about whether I felt it was good or bad or right or wrong thing to to have access to everything that anybody can record at any given moment and then put on the internet. For example, those 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 special moments of celebrities who were caught on tape in less than glorious moments, but you know, being detrimental to their careers, but then the other times when somebody's life may be saved or recorded or somebody, you know, I mean, or some or some child is found because, you know, somebody had a camera or they passed by a, an ATM. So, I mean, you really have, I think, hit something that is, wow, I mean, yet to even be even, you know, a fraction explored, I mean, in terms of the the ramifications for us or uh, society is fascinating, and, and look, the series is also absolutely fascinating. And I, people in the chat room are now saying, you know, well, I, I, if they haven't seen it, they're adding, you know, uh, look to their Netflix queue and things like that, and they're tuning in. You know, we'll tune into the show. So, so uh, it's very, uh, it's very cool. I mean, I, it's intriguing, and, I, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm happy to be able to talk to you about this because it is it is so different and so uh, fresh in terms of the approach. I want to come back. We're going to take a break here for just a second, Adam, if you'll hang in there, and Melissa, the sure. hang in there. I do a little station identification, and we'll come back and, and continue to chat. But you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is dot com. That's Rex Hikes.com. I'm the host. If you're listening live right now, here's what I'd like you to do. Reach out to somebody, call them on the phone, email them, Twitter Facebook, I'm telling you're listening to the show and that they should join us. This show is archived, by the way, at RexSikes.com in the interviews blog right there. You get all of the shows, all over 200 hours of interviews, uh, by going to uh, the interview section of RexSikes.com. They're also available as podcasts through iTunes and available on Blog Talk Radio. So wherever you are, whenever you're listening, reach out and uh, share this information with other people, whether it's live or or archived. You can also make us a friend. You can make us a favorite. You can follow us uh, right where you're listening. If you're listening at the at the iTunes, you can rate and review the shows. All that helps us reach other people. Because as I said, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I'm connecting you up with professionals who are making it happen. And in the same way, all we ask in return is that you spread the word. And uh share these shows and these links and these interviews with your uh industry friends and connections and, and film fans. All right. Having said that, I want to return now to uh Mr. Adam Rifkin. And uh someone has a question for you and um I'm gonna ask that question uh in just one moment. Well actually there's a couple, I mean there's a, there's a number of questions. But for you as a writer or director, what was the main difference in working on the T V series as compared to working on the movie? What
1: well, it's interesting you should ask that question. Um, I think our experience making Look the Series was much more akin to making a movie than making a show. Um, and I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Um, you know, I come from the movie world, and, and in particular as a director of the independent movie world, so it's really, you know, uh, all about how to maximize the limited resources that you have available to you. That's I mean, that's just my training, right? So how do you make the biggest looking product for the for the least amount of money and so when we knew we were going to be doing the first season of look um and we knew you know that we didn't have you know a uh, dexter costs i don't I think it's 3 million dollars an episode you know what i mean well we didn't right. have nearly that much money right so usually when you do television you you write an episode you shoot an episode you write another episode you shoot another episode etc but one of the things um, we had the luxury of knowing going in is that I was going to be the writer director of all the episodes. So keeping that in mind, I sat down and I wrote the entire first season before we shot anything. Uh, wow. And I and I wrote it in my mind like one giant movie. You know, I knew it would be in, as far as, as far as editorial goes, it was going to be you know cut into thirty minute. Episodes, so I made sure that you know every 30 pages or so, it felt like an episode. You know, had its you know had a fulfilling you know conclusion. But mm-hmm. as a whole, the story, you know, tells like a big five and a half hour movie. And so then when we shot the season, we and again you can't really get away with this if you're not directing all the episodes. But um, we direct. I directed all the episodes. Uh, we scheduled all the episodes like a movie. So, uh, you know, like, for example, instead of going to the mini-mart 11 different times for 11 different episodes, we went to the mini-mart once for two days and shot out all 11 episodes' worth of material in those two days. And that's how we did all the locations, and that's how we were able to have so many cast members in so many locations and such a big look for such a, uh, you know, for a modest budget. <clears throat> so so really, the only thing that's, that felt different in this particular instance from movies to T V was in the editorial process, you know, editing each one into a finished episode, that's you know, that you know, that's different than, you know, just making one big movie. But um but as far as What we shot it, it felt very similar to shooting a movie.
0: Wow. Well hey, let me ask you this then, in, in terms of lighting and positioning the cameras, how do you how do you do things differently um look? Than you would in one of your movies that's shot in a more traditional way.
1: Well, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, it goes against shooting shooting. Look, the movie and the series goes against everything I've learned along the way about how to make a movie. You know, it's I, my training is all about you know how to get the most interesting camera angles, how to tell the story and move the story forward visually with the right you know choices of uh, you know where you. Where you place the camera, how you cut, you know, between the coverage, how you, you know, create dramatic tension by pushing in, how you, you know, all those kinds of movie tricks that I had to throw out the window. And in fact, camera placement, uh, the creativity uh, of camera placement was was not applicable at all. Every location we would we would walk into, we would look and see where all the surveillance cameras were. In a, like, for example, the mini mart, you know. We'd go to a mini-mart and we'd say, "Okay, there's a camera there, 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 there and there." We'll put our cameras right next to each camera. So our cameras only were placed where real surveillance cameras were. And if we happened to be in a location where they didn't have surveillance cameras, we had a security expert on the set with us all the time saying, "Well, if this were, you know if I were setting up a security system in this location, the cameras would go here and here, you know? So we only put cameras where real cameras actually were or would be. There's no cheating. Every angle you see in look is where a real camera would be. Or, you know, the webcam on someone's computer or the cell phone cam, what have you. So that process, you know, was kind of void of creativity. Where it became very challenging for me was in the staging of the actors because you don't want it to seem stagey, you know, you want it to feel natural uh and in the performance, you know making sure that the performance feels as real as possible and really sort of policing performance it's interesting because for for the actors it was it was very liberating you know traditional filmmaking you know um tricks for actors you know involves you know you 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 have to know where to hit your marks you know you have to walk into your light you have to be aware of uh you know the camera you know when the camera's moving, making sure that you move with the camera so you stay in in frame you have to you know you're aware of focus et cetera et etc in this instance the the actors were miked. they were thrown into a mall or a mini mart or a gas station or wherever. They didn't even necessarily always see where the cameras were. They didn't even necessarily know where the cameras were filming them from. They just were meant to go out into the world and perform they were They were having conversations you know that we never closed a location. the mall was always open for business the mini mart always open for business. so if somebody you know walked by and heard them talking, ostensibly they thought they were just walking by two people having a conversation, not reciting um, dialogue. And it was very wow. liberating for the actors. But it, it what's amazing
0: is um that when you watch the show I I, I want to ask you what you what you what you think the secret of that success is because for example, oftentimes when, when I watch uh behind the scenes making of program, whether it's on D V D or on uh T V channel, and they've got the uh behind the scenes camera filming uh, two actors, maybe huge stars, might be talking. Well, on the film, they're cut in close up, or they've got two shots. They're, they're, they're you know, it's edited together, and it looks really impressive. And they're creating this moment. There's music and everything, but now you've you've got those cameras, you know, back behind the cast and crew, shooting the same scene, and you see the two actors there at a distance, and it's it's really oftentimes unimpressive.
1: Very you know much I mean? so. Yeah, I know exactly and what you mean. Yet,
0: and yet, with your show, it's it's. Do you think that's? I mean, I mean, well, it's well written and it's. But I mean, you, all these people are from far away. You know, they're they're from in the wide shot, and and yet it's still fascinating and compelling. And and is it because it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be a performance? I believe I mean, what so. Do you, what do you? I believe it's it. like. Go ahead. Go, ahead. No, go for it. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 I'm just asking you from your standpoint for, as a creator and the director and the architect. You know. The architect of this entire thing, and the writer, and, and you know, um, it, it doesn't have a feel. I mean, it does feel like real life, but I'm not a big fan of watching real life on YouTube. You know, I mean, occasionally I watch something, but but when I watch your show, I'm captured, and I and I'm trying to figure out why I think that is, and and I, and I, and, I, and I, I want to hear from you because it is it's, there's something magical going on.
1: Thank you. Well, I believe that everybody to a certain degree is a voyeur i mean if you if you like them, if you like movies you're a voyeur because you're 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 watching people's lives you know i mean and movies about voyeurism are even you know i take that one step further like like take a movie like rear window but i think what makes look i believe compelling is that it is you know how um you know how uh, uh, horror—the philosophy behind horror movies—is—is is that it's sort of a, it's a safe environment to be scared in. You know, uh-huh. I mean, if sure. if you're really being chased by a serial killer, there's nothing fun about it. But if you're vicariously living through the character in a movie being chased by a you know axe-wielding maniac, it's fun. It can be fun. It's a uh-huh. the vicarious uh, release. You know, from from that kind of ex- uh, you know uh, vicarious experience. I believe that look is sort of safe voyeurism, where you can peer in on people's secrets, the, you know, the, the hidden parts of people's lives, in a way that makes you not entirely feel like a scumbag. You know what I mean? If you're <laughs> literally peeking through a hole in a, in a hotel room wall into somebody else's room next door, and you're watching very private moments unfold, it, it's going to make you feel wrong. You, you know, unless you're genuinely a weirdo, you know what I mean. But if right. you're watching somebody's private moments unfold um, through Look, um, it's it's a safe environment to to sort of vicariously live out these voyeuristic fantasies we all have. I think there are more there's more of an openness to voyeurism now than ever before because of the internet. You know, because of YouTube and because right. of Twitter. I mean, you know, where Big Brother leaves off when you're not on camera. Twitter and Facebook and everything picks up where we voluntarily put every aspect of our lives under surveillance ourselves you know and everybody likes to uh you know uh, uh be entertained by people's private moments you know i mean how many i mean i remember when twitter was first starting the the big conversation was who cares if you're eating a ham sandwich you know what i mean but right. now people are fascinated by the most mundane aspects of other people's lives look is sort of a uh, extension of that you know everybody has secrets Uh, everybody has a, a, a private side to themselves everybody presents one side to the public and one side of themselves when they're just merely alone so look is a show about the things that people do when they don't think they're being watched and i believe people like to see what people are doing when they don't think they're being watched And i think that's why it's compelling and the scary truth is that they're being watched exactly and and but you know what it's 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 that we're all being watched, you know I mean, right, think right, about right. this, uh you know, aside from the fact that every time you're in an elevator, you're on camera, and every time that you're right. you know walking down the street, you're likely on camera, and every time you're in a store, you're on camera, but also too, and I'm not saying that this is something that happens every day, but it's definitely you know there's software uh that exists that enables you know if I wanted to i could I could hack into your webcam and watch you at home without your knowledge, even if your camera's off, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've heard of that. Uh, that is truly spooky, and it is truly, you know, I mean, it, uh, the thing, uh, all these geotagging things and stuff that tell you where you are, and, and the notion that you know, robbers can rob you when you're not home because you told them you're at Kmart, kind of stuff. I, I mean, it, it's a heavy dose of social implication, you know, and and it, 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 there is a frightening aspect to that. What you just said, uh, the, the, the flip side to it is, is that I can literally. Get on the internet and broadcast to one or maybe millions of people that hey, I'm drinking coffee right now and
1: talking to Adam Rifkin. Absolutely, and 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 one of those two things that you just said are really interesting. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) and it's the latter one. It's the latter one. (laughs) I'm drinking coffee, (laughs) but (laughs)
0: but but uh, you know, I I tell you, you know, one of my questions was, you know, are you more tuned into the issues of privacy and security? I got to say that I, I got. I was going to Best Buy or somewhere the other day. Someone was driving me, so I could pick up a hard drive for my. I, I, I want to say first, I, I have seen three episodes of the show. My DVR is recording them. I don't even know what episode you're on because of the movie that we're doing here. Uh, but I'll I'll go home and I'll have a marathon of The Look.
1: And right, sure right. Episode
0: be- eight airs on Sunday night. FYI. Okay, I've I've missed five, so but I, I saw the first three, and the other five have been you know have been. Uh, recorded so I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it but as I was saying I I got out of the car and I happened to look up and I saw no less and I counted them. I saw no less than 25 security cameras on the front of this building and I went oh my god and I've walked past these things all the time without thinking about them you know I've I've always been aware of like Kmarts and Walmarts and Targets the, the you know the glass bulbs on the ceiling and the security cameras there and you know, and and I've become more aware of the ATMs as a result of shows like Law and Order or whatever, where they're always saying, "Well, let's get the ATM footage or something." But but I mean, in watching the look, I gotta say, I, you know, it has really piqued me for it. Uh, uh, do you do you check down more for security cameras, surveillance cameras now in your stores and in your everyday
1: life as a result, or or are you able to now live more as you know? It's interesting, you know, since I started, even just thinking about the idea for the movie, I suddenly became so much more acutely aware of the ubiquity of these cameras, you know. And even still, I find myself forgetting all the time that they're there, as we all do, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, This is funny. I mean, I literally was at Showtime having a meeting about Look, a show about surveillance cameras, and as i'm going down the elevator from the meeting i did some idiotic dance in the elevator as I, as i you know as i'm prone uh. to do and suddenly i stop and i thought to myself oh shit i'm on camera right now aren't i and i turn around and of course there's the camera in my face and i'm sure you know some security guard in the basement just watched that whole show you know it's just you 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 always forget you can't help it i mean and by the way there's no reason why anybody would have to think about it all the time. I mean, you, you,
0: right.
1: you'd you be thinking about it constantly. But what's interesting to me, and this was important to me in going into the movie and, and the show, too, and you, you touched on this a little bit a minute ago, you know, the debate over privacy versus security is obviously very topical, you know, and and some people say, you know, the more cameras, the better, because it ensures that it's a safer society and so i will gladly give away a few of my civil liberties if it makes it a safer world and the more cameras the better um you know and uh, and the other side of the coin is people say you know there's no evidence that proves that you know these cameras make us safer uh it's george orwell's nightmare come true it's big brother beyond what orwell could have ever imagined it's an invasion of my privacy, cameras are bad, you know, and and my take on it is, I believe there are very compelling arguments for both sides. I think we've all seen examples of, you know, well, like the London bombers were caught because of surveillance camps, right? Right. But we've also seen examples of camera abuses, like the poor kid at Rutgers who killed himself because his his, you know, uh, roommate videotaped him with his webcam having a a gay affair and posted it online, and the kid was so humiliated he killed himself, right? right? So I'm not saying with Look that all cameras are good, and I'm not saying with Look all cameras are bad. I think it's all gray area. What I am saying is that they are there. The cameras are there, and they're not going away. In fact, their numbers are just growing and growing and growing. And exactly what you said asked me, do I adapt to the way I act based on, you know, being the person who makes the show look, yes, I do. And I think that if anything, you know, if anything, people should take away from look is, A, hopefully it'll spark a debate and, you know, splash a little cold water in the face of people's obliviousness to the fact that the cameras are there. But also, you know, they're not going away, so you just need to adapt to them. You just need to be aware they're there and and alter your behavior. You don't want to get caught with your pants down, literally or figuratively, you know. Right. I mean, at
0: the very least, uh, you've created the platform for jumping off on this conversation by, by creating an, an awareness in, in the rest of us uh, as a result of both the movie and the TV series, and, and that is fantastic.
1: Thank uh, you. I'll tell you two Howard. quick things. I'll tell you two quick things yeah. on that note, right? Just two quick things. One, uh, something I learned when we were researching the movie is that, um, and you'll see in the movie and in the series, there are cameras in, in dressing rooms and bathrooms. And I, you know, and some people say there's no cameras allowed in dressing rooms and bathrooms. Well, it's actually true. There are cameras allowed. In 37 states, it's legal to have cameras in public dressing rooms and public bathrooms, right? And also, which is a little bit, you know, scary. And then also, too, you know, these airport scanners, which are, you know, of course, in the news, you know, the front page of the news every day right now, right? The, the... The fact that they can take photographs of you through your clothes, basically take naked pictures of you and tell you, oh, those pictures aren't going to end up on the Internet, don't worry, that's just not true. Those pictures will end up on the Internet somewhere, you know, and and when, and when if you think that they just look like blurry blue blobs, you're wrong. They, they're able to be very clear if they want them to be, so it's just something to think about, you know.
0: Oh, that is amazing! I did not know. I mean, I I, I just did not know. I suspected that maybe there are cameras. I'm a little paranoid anyway. A lot of times, so I go into a hotel room and I'm like sure that somebody's shooting through a, a wall or you know two way mirrors or or even in the house I'm seeing it now. I'm like, what if the guy decided to put a webcam secretly in here somewhere? I mean, you know, it's just it's just one of those little kind of things. I I guess have been one of my picadillos from childhood or something. But uh, you know. Uh, So, again, I mean, it creates that jumping-off place for uh, a conversation or debate about these things in the future, which I think could be uh, a lengthy one at at the least. Now, in a trivial manner, if it ends all nose-picking in cars and elevators and, you know, scratching your butt, you know, in public, uh, hey, I'm all for it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You know, I won't ever have to drive by somebody, you know, doing doing those things again because they'll be afraid somebody's watching. Um, let me ask you this, and, it, and it, it, it's, it's, it's maybe not the exact question that somebody asked um, from the uh, – well, somebody in the chat room said they have the same idiosyncrasies as me. I suspect we're all a whole lot more alike than we are different in many ways. But um, – uh, Somebody in the ch- in the chat room actually asked a question earlier, and and uh, I'm not going to be able to scroll back to it. But but essentially, um, I-, I wanted to ask about your other films and your other work. And and their question was, what was the, what was the biggest challenge in, in your in your career directing or uh, that you had on set? Can, can you um, remember back to anyone, what, something that was a problem that you solved, and, and maybe how you did it? Or, um,
1: well, I mean, it's it's a it's a Great question. Um, tough to narrow down because making a movie sure. is just, as you know, is just a constant, um, you know, a constant Great. stream of problem solving. You know, what I mean, every day it's nothing but, you know, curveballs and problems that that you have to, you know, gather all your, <clears throat> you know, your your life's lessons of problem solving skills together to, you know, get what you need and and make it good. Um, Some of the things that come to mind, well, first, first one that comes to mind, of course, is shooting look, because I'd never shot a movie um, from surveillance cameras before, other than a a scene, maybe, you know what I mean? So, Uh you know, so really, you know, um, taking control of that challenge and trying to take that experimental idea and turn it into a movie that not only you know services the the concept but can be a an interesting enough and compelling enough film to to entertain people and and move people that was that's a, you know first one that comes to mind big challenge and and that carried over into the show as well uh another big challenge was when we shot the kiss concert for Detroit Rock City we had we only had kiss for about a half a day because they were on their big world tour their big comeback tour and we had to shoot the entire concert we had about I don't know about 10 or 15,000 extras and and it was a massive massive day that was a big challenge but you know all these challenges when you're making movies uh, are fun challenges you know every time everything goes wrong and they do and things go wrong every day um the fun of it is sitting down with your team and saying all right Here's what we need to move the story forward. Here's what we have available, you know, to us and how much time we have. It's like that scene in Apollo 13 where they said, all right, we have a sock, a half roll of certs. we got a, a spring, a paper clip, and uh, a tweezers. How do we build a, you know, an, an, an umbrella out of that, you know, whatever. So literally every day on the set it's a constant struggle to, you know, solve the problems with the resources you have available to you. Um, there's countless ones. You know, I made a movie called the chase, which, uh, starred Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson, you know, and, and that movie was made for a, a very modest budget, but we needed to crash a lot of cars. We had to figure out how can we, you know, make this movie look like a big movie, you know, for a, a modest movie price. Um, and how do we do it safely? You know, cause we didn't want to, you know, kill anybody. That was all, that was a lot of fun. The end of the movie, a, a helicopter explodes. Um, uh, Christy Swanson shoots a helicopter that's that's parked and it, it it blows up and what we decided was, is we would build a helicopter out of cardboard, and shoot it from far enough away that when we blew it up it probably would look okay and it did you know so all little things like that.
0: Oh that's fantastic. Uh, that's great. And Christy has been a guest on the show too. I I, lo- I love Christy. I'm glad she was here, and uh, uh, I'd love to talk to her more about making the chase. Uh, well. The- so, so let me ask you this, and we've got literally about ten minutes left right now uh, on our countdown. And oh, let me let me also, uh, Adam, your Twitter address
1: is. Yes, I'll at- I'll tell you. Um, please, um, anybody out there, uh, you can. My Twitter address is at Adam Rifkin, um, or you can you know please join me on my uh, Facebook fan page, the Adam Rifkin fan page. Um, I run that myself um, and all, I would invite you to join my main facebook page, but it 's full unfortunately i 'm sorry about that but I, everything I, I facebook on one i facebook on the other as well uh, also you can learn all about look at uh, look the dot com there 's also a look the series facebook fan page and also you can tweet about look or or, or keep up with you know you can follow look on twitter at LookTVSeries, series at LookTVSeries. series so uh, please join the uh, join the group.
0: Very very cool. Yeah,
1: and I, I just
0: wanted to draw your attention to the, to the time because I know you're busy and you're going to have to run right after the show. So uh, I, I want to make sure that we uh, we are on time. What's um, what's uh, are writing and directing two separate processes for you? Uh, you know, or, or are you thinking about how you'll direct something while you're writing them? I mean, and and I'm sure that there are those. Uh, I, there are those things you write for others, and then there are those things you write for yourself.
1: It's true. Uh, it's very. It depends on what I'm writing. If I'm writing a movie that I know I'm going to be directing, like like when I wrote Look, I knew I was writing it, but and I was going to be. We were going to start prepping it as soon as I was finished writing it. Um, I write absolutely knowing in my mind how I'm going to direct it. Uh, I don't necessarily write all the camera direction into the script. You know, I I leave that for. Um, a different set of notes, because when I write a script, I want it to be a very smooth read for whoever's reading it. You know, so I never, I never put into my script camera pushes in close on the actor's face. I never do that stuff. Um, I just make it a really clean read. But uh, when I'm writing something that I know I'm directing or that I know I want to direct, I'm always aware of how I'm going to direct it when I'm writing it. If I'm writing something like uh, Underdog, let's say, which you know I was hired by Disney to write Underdog. Um, I, I am just the writer. You know, I, I, I know that going in that I'm, I'm hired as just the writer. And I just, you know, let my creative juices flow. And I and I know somebody else is going to figure out how they're going to have to shoot it. And that's, and that's kind of liberating in a way. I'll tell you, I've been lucky in that I get to have kind of a two prong career. I get to write these big studio movies, which I love being a part of. I love doing it. I mean, there's nothing more fun than being involved in a movie that you know, costs $100 million to make and a $100 million to release and there's billboards everywhere and you get the fly into New York to go to the premiere and it's just really, really fun. Um, and then those movies afford me the freedom to make the more personal movies that I write and direct like Look, you know. And so uh, it's, you know, one hand washes the other. It's always been really, I've been really lucky that way.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Um, going back just a little bit, you had, uh, and I asked you how you broke in and how you you did it, and 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 and, and. let's go back and try because fans will never forgive me if we don't discuss the dark backwards. <laughs> no problem. Uh, how, how did that come out? You said that was the first screenplay you wrote, and then you 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 did another movie first, but I, I, I mean. Uh, from the time that you wrote it to the time it was on screen, did that did that change much? Was did that did you shoot
1: what you originally
0: wrote? Um, yes, it, it did, did not change old- at all.
1: I shot I shot exactly what I wrote. Um, I wrote the dark backward when I was nineteen. We made it wow. about four years later. We finally got it made about four years later. Um, dark backward was an amazing amazing opportunity to make a movie, and I didn't appreciate how fortunate I was at the time but it was it was the it, being it was the first script i ever wrote it was a it was the only script i ever wrote that was void of any hollywood influence and what i mean by that is when you write a script these days to some to lesser or greater you can't help but be influenced by will this character attract an actor is this genre financeable is this going to be too expensive for anybody to want to put their money in is this something that's already been made is this something that's in production right now There are things that you have to keep in mind when you sit down to write to a certain degree. When I wrote The Dark Backward, I knew nobody. I knew nothing about pursuing movies. I literally just sat and wrote something that I thought would be a cool movie. And that's the only time I've ever had that luxury. So then when I got a chance to make it, we made it with – we had total, complete creative freedom because we had this incredible cast. And we were making the movie for so little money. So the movie starred Judd Nelson and Bill Paxton and Wayne Newton and James Kahn and Rob Lowe and Lara Flynn Boyle and we made the movie for well under a million dollars. So the company that financed the movie, they didn't even read the script. They could they didn't give two shits. They they said, Oh, this cast, uh this much money, go make your movie You know, and so we had total creative freedom. Um, of course, later when they saw the movie, they hated it, <laughs> you know. But that's fine; it's already done. So, uh, um, so th- that movie is is and will forever be my sentimental favorite because it was just such a great opportunity to just express myself and my my pure sort of creative spirit, you know. Wow, has
0: much changed for you in the way in the in the way that you approach writing? Now we literally have maybe four minutes left, but as much. Has much changed for you in the in the way you approach writing
1: now as as you did back then? Well, I think just the fact that I've done a lot of it made you know makes you you know it makes you better every time. You know, the more you do anything, the better you get at it. But when I sit down to write a script, it's never the process for me has never been different. As when I even from when I sat down to write my first script, I sit down, I try to think of a movie that I think would be good. I try to think of characters that I think would be interesting and compelling. You know, the process of writing from the very first script I wrote to the one that I'm writing right now. I mean, you're sitting alone in a room. It's just you and your brain and your keyboard and your thoughts and your ideas. And, and you know, you just kind of have to rely on what you know what's going on inside you and how you can pull that out of your head and put it down onto the paper. So the process is very much the same as it's always been for me. And, you know, for all the aspiring writers out there, you know, when you're writing something, it's very easy to sit and think to yourself, well, this isn't working, uh, who cares about these characters, uh, This, uh, you know, this uh, this story is trite. You know, you're going to have a million doubts, but you just got to keep bullying forward. You can't let that slow you down or stop you. Get to the end, and then you can reassess it once you're done, and you can rewrite it, you know, as many times as you need to to, to hone it and make it great. But, But just keep plugging forward.
0: Well, you know, Adam, if your game, you know, sometime in the future, I, have, uh, I know that the, the listeners would love to have you back, and, I, and I'd like to have you back as we discussed, but if sometime in the future, as your schedule permits in your game, uh, maybe we can have you back to talk more of these finer points about writing and directing um, from, from, from your own approach that would, would help uh, aspiring writers and directors. I would love to. I would love to, Rex. Well, that's awesome, Adam. Adam, I want to thank you so much for your time. I'm going to give you the last couple of minutes here, just to to again is is because I don't know the answer to this. Is uh is uh Look available uh, uh, Showtime on demand so that if uh,
1: someone didn't come in at the beginning, they can they can go back and and do it now, or how, how does that all work? Look is available on demand, but it is not available on demand in the in the original series section, so don't uh, think that it's not there. It's in the uh, after-hours section of On Demand. Uh, So look for it there. You can catch up on the episodes, and uh, uh, please check it out, you know. Adam, you've been fascinating.
0: The show's fascinating, and uh, uh, people in the chat room are going, "Get him back, please!" Great show. Thank you, <laughs> you know, so no, they, they, we've got a lot of great input from the from the chat room, and, and I thank you
1: for being here. I know you're busy. What's what's in your near future? Um, I'm I'm writing a movie for uh, for Disney. That's kind of a secret project I can't discuss. I'm uh, involved with three other filmmakers on an anthology film that there's, there's been a little. Uh, buzz about called Chillerama, which, um, you know, I'm sure if you were to Google that, you could get a little information on that. It's uh, an anthology film with uh, uh, some fun filmmakers, Adam Green and Joe Lynch and uh, um, Tim Sullivan and myself. And uh, so that's a little, a little fun sort of hobby project we're putting together. Uh, and other than that, you know, I'm working on my next movie, too, which, uh, again, I, I can't talk about, but there's going to be a big announcement for it real soon.
0: Adam, I want to thank you so much for being here again. Uh, check out his website, his Facebook page, his Twitter address, and all that. You, if you if you tuned in late to the show, uh, go back and uh, and listen. And uh, we appreciate you being here. I'm going to call you back in just a few minutes just to check in with you. And then, but you have a great, fabulous day. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, you you've provided a wealth of information on uh, a great variety of of uh, mind-boggling topics from you know what's going on in our and in our world, and, and being on camera, uh, you know, I thank you for creating Look and, and for making it available, and I thank you for being here and available today. Thanks,
1: Adam. You bet, man. Thank you. This was fun. <laughs> all right. Later. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye bye. That is
0: Mr. Adam Rifkin, and I want to thank him again for being here on the show. And I want to thank all of those of you who have listened in today. Please go ahead and share this show with other people. Uh, Favorite us, friend us, follow us right from where you are. Rate and review the shows and the podcasts from uh, from uh, iTunes and and spread the word. Uh, tweet about us, Facebook it. Uh, when when we get uh, when you leave the chat room today, if you'll get on Twitter or you get on Facebook, and if you like the show, you go, you know, I like the show with Adam Rifkin. You got to listen to it and give the URL. Uh, that would be so cool. It's my pleasure to be back with you again. Uh the movie is going well. We are about to commence on our ninth day of filming tomorrow. I've been here already much longer than that. But uh <coughs> excuse me. But uh it has been a busy schedule working somewhere between eighteen and twenty two hours a day oftentimes and uh and we go until almost Christmas. So Uh, I'm not sure when the next show is going to be. I was hoping it'd be in about a week or so, but uh, we have certain days slated for reshooting, and if we're not reshooting, I will book a show. And if we are uh, reshooting, then I'm going to, or pickups, I'm going to have to uh, wait a while before we do the next one. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening live or archived. I appreciate it, and uh, I really do. And thanks to everybody who, uh, who was here today. And uh, we'll see you next time. Again, the official website is rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. All of these interviews are stored right there at the Interviews blog, as well as his podcast on iTunes and then Blog Talk Radio. My Facebook page profile is Rex Sykes. There's also Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, Friends page that you can uh, join us on. We'd love to have you join us and uh my twitter address is Rex Sykes Movie BT. that last word is abbreviated as BT. please do come and follow and uh and thanks all right everybody uh make your projects uh, have a great day and until we meet the next time that is a wrap